taken care of. Here we are with a fresh cup of coffee and a whole bunch of other good things musically and otherwise to keep you entertained for another 55. Bill Stewart this side of the microphonic and we're going to be helped out with some all-time all-timers and uh, one of the greatest comedy pairs that have ever been put together anywhere who have been brought back by popular demand and you'll find to your amazement are still fighting. <laughs> right? Hang in now and uh, we'll be back momentarily. Joe Venuti and uh, I guess Sven Osmussen over in Denmark and uh, our own Steph Smith that about covers it uh, for the most part and Ray Nance of course who was with uh, Ellington over a period of years is the kind of uh, great folk in the jazz violin field and some years ago and this is a very old Verve album but it's a good good one one of the greatest that he ever made the late Steph Smith uh, performed on this one via Norman Granz with the people like Barney Kessel and Oscar Peterson at the piano. That's not bad right there, but then they added Ray Brown on bass and Alvin Stoller on drums, and you got yourself a quintet that just won't quit. And uh, here is Mr. Smith and Company with Things Ain't What They Used to Be, and neither is this album, but it still sounds good. <laughs>
Jeff Smith, Barney Kessel, Oscar Peterson, Ray Brown, and Alvin Stoller getting together, and things ain't what they used to be, and they'll encore momentarily. You know, if you're a soon-to-be-discharged serviceman, there's no reason why you can't own your own home. Now, the Veterans Administration will help you. They'll see that you're favorably considered for a loan of up to $12,500 toward that new home. Interest rates, by the way, are the same for the whole life of the loan. And you can take up to 30 years to repay it. You make your own arrangements through your local bank or loan company, and the VA takes it from there. So don't forget about that. It's a good, good deal, by the way. Help me buy my first house, I'll tell you. Now, we are going to uh, continue with the same group as heretofore mentioned, Stuff Smith and Company. Thank you. 
Great sounds there from a very old album, but a marvelous one. Stuff Smith and Company, and it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Now, this doesn't necessarily have swing, but it certainly has stamina, I'll tell you. This is, uh, without a doubt, I think, the greatest comedy bit that ever happened. Back in the old days when Don Amici had a radio show, they started a thing with uh, Don and Francis Langford called the Bickersons, and they used to have a bit each and every week. And then Columbia Records put an album out about it, and uh, they, you know, took a whole bunch of uh, some of the great things and did that. And would you believe that about 12 years later, so many people were screaming for more of the Bickersons that uh, Brother Todd, who wrote the whole thing, put a whole album together. It's called The Bickersons Fight Back, and it's in four parts. And this is the finale. Hello? Yes, Mrs. Peavy. I've been away for three days. I just walked in. Oh, I, I know. I'm terribly sorry. I'll see if I can stop him. Good night. She says you sound like a Hotchkiss reciprocating force pump draining a peat bog in Calicula. What are you talking about, Blanche? You heard me. The neighbors won't stand for it much longer. That Mrs. Peavy says she's had enough. She's revolting. I know. I've seen her. Husband's no bargain either. Put out the lights. Stop it if you want to. I know you can. No other man snores like you. How do you know? I talk to my women friends. Their husbands sleep so quietly, they have to keep waking them to see if they're dead. No use. They get you coming or going. That's the third call I've had this week. I wouldn't mind so much, except I can hardly walk to the phone on this horrible sprained ankle of mine. Who told you to sprain your ankle? Nobody told me. I was trying to hang my clothes in the closet, and I slid my foot on one of your old bourbon bottles. Heavens, Blanche, did you break it? No, it's only a sprain. I mean the bottle. The bottle was empty, and I might have known you wouldn't be thinking of me. Always thinking of you. Put out the lights, I will not. My ankle's so swollen now, I think I better call the doctor. You don't need the doctor. If you keep exercising it, it'll be fine. Go take a walk around the block. I just know I can't walk at all anymore. How do you know until you test it? Go on, kick the cat a few times and see how it feels. I gotta get some sleep, Blanche. How can you be like that, John? Why don't you do something for me? In the morning. I can't understand what's happened to you, John. You used to be so considerate. Since you married me, you've got no sympathy at all. I have to. I got everybody's sympathy. That's right. Add insult to injury. The least you can do is get up and massage my ankle. Okay, I'll massage it. Where's the chicken fat? Chicken fat? You and your insane remedies. Go get one of those elastic bandages. Where will I get an elastic bandage at 2 o'clock in the morning? There's an all-night drugstore three blocks from here. Blanche, darling, just rest now, and I'll get you the bandage in the morning. What good is that? How do I know my ankle will still hurt in the morning? I'll twist it. Please, <laughs> Blanche, will you let me get a couple of hours sleep? You know I got an interview for a new job tomorrow. Well, you still haven't told me why you got fired, John. I'll tell you why. It's because you keep me awake all night, and when I get to the office, I'm dead on my feet. It's just like a man. Blame me. 
Losing your job has nothing to do with losing your sleep. Not much. You don't concentrate on your work because you've lost your ambition. You're not the same man I married, John. Brother, you can say that again. Whatever happens to your get up and go? It got up and went. I'll tell you what happened. You've lost interest in everything except that precious bourbon of yours. Now, just a minute, Blanche. I married a great big corkscrew. I always said that. I don't care. You can accuse me of not having any ambition or anything else, but drinking is not one of my failures. No, it's one of your few successes. The only reason I use bourbon is because the doctor prescribed it. He said I'd stop snoring if I took a jigger of bourbon and two aspirins every night. That's not what you do, though. Yes, it is. It is not. You're six months behind on the aspirin and two years ahead on the bourbon. Well, aspirin gives me a headache. Stop talking like that. I never touch the stuff when I'm working. Then why do you keep getting fired? Because no man can serve two masters. So it's my fault, is it? Since when do I boss you around? You know very well I let you have your own way in almost everything I want. You've been running me for years. I have not. It started right at the altar. When I said I do, you said, oh, no, you don't. Put out the lights. What? I said, put out the lights. You mean you're actually going to let me sleep? I let you sleep for a whole week, didn't I? Three days. And you wanted to stay with your sister. I didn't tell you to go. Well, I just hate to think of what you've done to this place since I've been gone. I suppose you left a stack of dirty dishes in the sink. No dishes. Were the animals fed regularly? Every day. The water in the goldfish bowl should have been changed yesterday. I changed it. I cleaned up everything. How's the canary? I don't know. I haven't seen him since I vacuumed his cage. <laughs> oh, don't blow your top. The canary's fine. Now don't frighten me like that. Where's nature boy? Who's nature boy? The cat. Did you let him out tonight? No. Why not? He never came in. <laughs> Listen, Blanche, I knock myself out working all day and then come home and have to play nursemaid to a broken-down canary and an alley cat. He's a cute cat, and I love him. Well, I hate him. You wouldn't feel that way if you get a little friendly with him. It's easy to make up to a cat. Mm -hmm. Why don't you bring him something to play with? I'll bring him a dog in the morning. <laughs> Good night, Blanche. I suppose I'll have to get some groceries in the morning. Are there any eggs for breakfast? No. Then you'll have to eat out. Doesn't matter. I've been doing it for three days. Why didn't you eat home? There was plenty of food here in the house. I left you enough food for a whole week. Go to sleep. I took a whole bathtub full of rice. What happened to it? I took a bath in it. Why didn't you eat it? I told you a million times I can't stand the sight of rice. Why not? Because it's connected with one of the saddest mistakes in my life. <laughs> and why don't you let me sleep? Don't you care how I feel? But you'll be sorry after I'm gone. Where are you going? <laughs> Leave me alone. What's the matter, Blanche? Is it your ankle again? What is it? No, I've got that other dreadful pain again. What pain? It's my head. I've had it off and on for three weeks. Well, take it off now and go to sleep. Well, of all the other Now, thing... look, Blanche, I know about that pain in your head. You knocked it against the cupboard, and I happen to know you did it on purpose. Well, what if I did? I only did it to get a little sympathy from you. Blanche, you're the most selfish woman in the world. You're always killing yourself to get my sympathy. Last year, you had your appendix removed. Six months ago, you had your tonsils taken out. Two weeks ago, you had five teeth pulled. You'll run out of parts before I run out of sympathy. You keep your voice down. You want to wake little George? Who's little George? Clara's baby. Who's Clara? My sister, the one I stayed with in Peapack. Peapack. Have you forgotten that Clara and Barney had a baby? Are you talking about that hulking dollop that weighed 17 pounds when he was born? 16 and he isn't hulking. 
He's three months old and he barely weighs 90 pounds. <laughs> 90 pounds? And that's with his clothes on. He only wears a diaper. I told you to lower your voice, John. You'll wake him up. Oh, how can he hear me in P-Pack? He isn't in P-Pack. He's in the bathroom. Bathroom? What's that elephant doing in my bathroom? I brought him back with me. Clara and Barney are going to a formal at the United Nations pool hall. <laughs> can they get a sitter for one night? Well, I wanted the baby here to keep me company while you're in the hospital. I must be going out of my mind. What's this hospital bit? Well, Dr. Hersey's ranged everything. You're not working now, and you've got the time. At 8 o'clock in the morning, he's going to operate on you and snip your pedicle. What for? <laughs> to cure your snoring. I've packed your bag and everything. What does that man want from me? Last week, he wanted to shorten my uvula. Now he wants to snip my pedicle. And don't go getting excited. Dr. Hersey says you're to get a good night's rest and be in a basal state for the operation. I knew you were up to something. Put out the lights. Yes, dear. As soon as you give George his three o'clock feeding. What? His formula's in the kitchen. Warm it up and take it in, children. Go on, John. Get up and feed the baby. Nobody would believe this. Where's my slipper? I didn't pack it in the bag. It's still under your pillow. You packed everything else in there. Why didn't you pack the slipper? Well, I didn't know how soon you'd be walking. Walking? I thought he was going to operate on my nose. He is, but you never can tell about complications. What a life I lead. A short uvula, no pedicle, and one slip. Oh, hurry up and get George's formula before he starts to cry. And the cat's home again. Careful you don't step on him. Where's his formula? I can't find any formula. It's in the icebox right next to the flounder I bought for dinner. There's no flounder and no formula. Put out the light. Did you look in the yellow bowl? I looked in the yellow bowl. Well, what's in it? Just the cat. John Biggerson, did that cat eat the flounder in George's food? I don't know, but he's sitting in the icebox, picking his teeth with the bones and wiping his face with a diaper. <laughs> That's terrible. What do we feed little George? Feed him the cat. How can you be so heartless, John? The child has to be fed every half hour. He's wasting away. Wasting away? He weighs more than I do. I think I hear him yelping already. Go in there and rock him to sleep. I'll be glad to. Where's a rock? I used to talking like that. I'm responsible for that child, and you better see that he's fed. What do you want me to give him, Blanche? Clara gave me a half a dozen cans of baby food. Go on, get up and boil him some. I'll boil him. <laughs> this is the night's rest I get before I go to the hospital to get my nose whacked off. Where's the stuff? On the kitchen table, and you needn't warm it or put it into a dish. He's hungry enough to eat it as it is. Just take it to him in the can. All right, all right. Put out the lights. Have you gone crazy, John? What do you mean throwing the can in there like that? How do you expect him to get at the food? There's a can opener on the wall. John Pickerson. Oh, please, Blanche. He isn't hungry and he isn't crying. He's in there sleeping like a horse. I didn't even look at him. I didn't have to look at him. I heard him snoring. Please let me get a little rest. I'll never be strong enough for the operation tomorrow. Oh, don't be so dramatic about the operation. Thousands of people have operations every day. You wouldn't hear me carry on like that if I was going to have an operation. Not much. You had to take ether to have glasses fitted. <laughs> well, I'm very sensitive around the eyes. Anyway, the surgery you're going to have is not a bit serious. It isn't going to be serious because I'm not gone. I'm not gone, you hear me? You have to. I've already paid Dr. Hersey. He wanted $40 for the operation and $10 for the anesthetic. I'll take the anesthetic without the operation. You're getting the operation without the anesthetic. What? That's the last straw, Blanche. Now you've done it. George is awake. 
Who's George? The baby. You woke him up. I don't care. I didn't send for him. Well, you go get him. Bring him out here and I'll take care of him. Go on, John. Get George. Oh, what's the use? Where's my sliver? You packed it back in your bag. What did you pack these lace curtains in here for? They're not lace curtains. Those are your shorts. I made a mistake. Instead of draining them in Renzo, I rinsed them in Drano. Well, where's my other pair? Why didn't you pack those? Well, I couldn't. The baby's wearing them. Clara forgot to leave a change. You should have bought him something. Well, I tried. He wears an outsized diaper, and they have to be made to order. Hurry up and wheel him out. Three months old. Look at the size of him. He's built like a brick schoolhouse. He's a perfectly normal, healthy baby. He can't help it if he's big. His mother and father are big. Big what? I think he's adorable. He looks just like Clara. Turn him over. Let me see his face. That is his face. Oh. Was this crib made to order for him? Of course not. You can buy them anywhere for three ninety-eight. So that's little George. Yes, and I'm going to have the pleasure of him all the time you're in the hospital. Mm. Look at him lying there like a little cherub, so innocent and sleep. Soon he'll be walking, and in a little while he'll begin to talk. He'll say such cute things. And his first day at school, he'll be so scared. Maybe he'll be a wonderful scholar or a great athlete. He'll grow into manhood, handsome and strong. He might be a doctor or a lawyer. He might even grow up to be the president of the United States. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking of, darling? How can they make a crib like that for three ninety-eight? <laughs> Good night, George. Good night, Blanche. Good night, George. <laughs> 